Good, good afternoon. What's up, man? Good, good. What's going on? Welcome to Political Football with Dave Cleave and Matty Ice. Dave, we got you. What's going on? How are you guys doing today? I'm well. I'm well, man. So as a as a precursor, I'm recording from a John at a uh, at a spot. So this show goes on no matter what. Unlike Jets fucking football. <laughs> oh, I, I was actually going to say you're. I was going to say you're recording from the Jets locker room. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. How you guys doing, man? Yo, I'm good. I um, I'm I'm actually very excited because it's finally game week. You know, we've had all these little introductory acts and all that, but now it's time for the main show. Big Ten football is back. Oh wow! Okay, is that this weekend? It's come this come weekend coming up. Football time. Football time. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And hey, Matt, how you doing, man? I am doing wonderful. Just uh, hanging in there like everybody else, trying to figure out who's good in the NFL. You know. Well, obviously, I think we know that the Chiefs are good. <laughs> so I don't know. Everyone else has to fall in line, but it was a very exciting week of football. So I'm really excited about getting into this with you guys today. So this show has been really keeping me kind of going through all the ups and downs of all this crap that's going on. So obviously, yeah, you guys, you guys rock with this. Well, I'm glad to uh, glad to be able to help and hopefully help any of the listeners out there uh, maybe get their mind off the craziness for a little bit. Oh, the craziness does make its way into football, and that's where we're actually going to start uh, with the first game this week. Yeah. Because the first game we have the Texans 36 at the Titans 42. And I'll say for uh, missing a bunch of practice time for, for COVID, the Titans look pretty good. That's insane. I heard they like motorboated these guys. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was nuts. And so the first things to know about this game is that Derrick Henry had a 94-yard touchdown run, which he yes. does all the time. He does that all the time. However, on this 94-yard run, this 247-pound man hit 21.6 miles per hour. Wow. Yes, he did. I mean, that's that is that's unfair. I I can't think of. I mean, none, none of the other big, huge, powerful backs ever moved that fast. Jim Brown couldn't run that fast. Earl Campbell couldn't run that fast. Bo wasn't that big. Yeah. Did you – was that before or after he trucked Josh Norman? So that was – that. this is the game after. So two games ago against the Bills, he throws Josh Norman into another dimension. And then in this <laughs> game, he goes 94 yards for a touchdown. And he did just shove a defensive back's head directly into the ground. That's insane. His, 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 um, his college numbers and high school numbers are insane. If you guys ever get a chance to look at that, it's absolutely like a video game. His his numbers coming out are ridiculous. So, ridiculous. So when he – on signing day, because I watch the signing day coverage every single year. On signing mm-hmm. day, I want to say 2014, maybe 2015, he and O.J. Howard were both in the class for Alabama. And they're on ESPN. And I knew O.J. Howard because he was the top tight end. So I knew who he was. And I see the mm-hmm. other kids standing next to the top tight end in the country, dwarfing him. I'm like, that defensive tackle is going to be amazing. And it was Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's, uh, he's the guy that uh, I point to, or one of the guys I point to now when we watch like college football. And I look at my wife and I say, I never went to college with guys that look like that. Like They just <laughs> didn't look like that when I went to school. And like, if you think about how the athletes have progressed over time, like Derrick Henry is kind of in line with so much of like the evolution of the professional athlete now to where like, I mean, 
these guys do things that their bodies shouldn't allow them to do and they just have that physical ability it's like i had a disagreement with my father-in-law about this and he's like i don't understand how you know some of these athletes are as good as they are and he's like i think it's just pure will and i was like it's genetics it's so genetics like i don't care if i wanted to do what derrick henry did i wouldn't be able to do it i just don't have the genetics to do it but at that body type it just it's a crazy like he is a an extraterrestrial yes and i think too that for people like derrick henry um, I know you guys are both really big into boxing, and I think the truth is that Derrick Henry is actually the heavyweight champion of the world. He just plays football <laughs> instead because the money's better. But, but Absolutely. I, mean, I don't know what his reach is or whatever, but I have to imagine that that athletic at that size, like, I, he would probably just be an amazing boxer. And so I think that, you know, a lot of these boxing types are now playing linebacker and are Derrick Henry in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> Matt, I do want to get your opinion on two game theory things that we had from this game. The first, the uh, the Tennessee Titans were, so here's the situation. The Texans were winning 30-29, to 29, three minutes to go in the game. The Texans have the ball up one at the Titans' 20-yard line, second down, one yard to go. The Titans purposefully take... They purposefully take a 12-man on the field defensive penalty, giving the first down to the Texans, but stopping the clock. And I just want to get your your opinion on that strategy, or do you think you got that from Belichick or whatever? I don't know if you necessarily got it from Belichick, but I think the better coaches in the league, and I, I, I'm almost at the point of willing to put um, you know Vrabel in that category because I think it was Vrabel. You're right; it was the Titans who were on defense making that call. Yes. Um, right. So um, I think the smarter coaches in the league or the better coaches are better think through these theories and think to themselves, you know, what what would what would benefit us, even though it seems like it's not a direct benefit. So like taking that penalty and giving them the first down to any casual fan, you're like, why would they do that? But you're right, it stopped the clock, right? And it also gives their defense some time to sort of strategize a little bit, um, you know, and, and and do those types of things without necessarily having to use a timeout. I kind of think of it, uh, Dave, I think you probably remember that it was like a, it was either in 2003 or 2004, the Patriots were in Denver, they were backed up on like their one yard line and they took an intentional safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they ended up winning the game. You know, they, they kicked the ball back to them, but they kind of were like, we can't do anything offensively here. So we're going to let our defense with, you know, get the ball back and win this game for us. I, I mean, I was for it at the time because I thought, well, I mean, it's like using a timeout without using a timeout. And if I remember correctly, Vrabel did some of those kinds of strategies to work the clock and use the clock against the Patriots last year in that divisional playoff game. Yes. Or the wild card round. Yes. And he did the same move two years ago in 2018. Um, and so this move was incredible for the listeners because the clock was running. The defensive penalty stops stops the clock. It gives Houston a first down, but they're already in field goal range up one. So they're, the Titans are assuming that Houston will score at least three points. And so at that point, the time is much more important than the yards or the down. And so it was just an absolutely brilliant, brilliant move. And I thought it was fantastic. Now, what ended up happening is that the Texans scored a touchdown. So they're up 36 to 29. They're up by seven, pending the extra point. The Texans chose not to kick the extra point to go up by eight, but to go for two points to go up by nine and effectively win the game. Matt, what did you think about that decision? 
So I think what ends up happening a lot of times is when the result doesn't come out the way that uh, the team wants, that it's automatically, you know, a dumb move or, or a bonehead move. I personally liked it. The team's one and four. You know, they're trying to gain some momentum. They're on the road against a team that is obviously better than them. They had been playing them even up until that point. And, you know, statistically, it's not like it's impossible to get a two-point conversion. I mean, I think the numbers are in favor of going for two in certain cases. And it's like you have to get two yards. So if they're successful there, you know, they're up by nine and it's a two-score game. They weren't successful. They're still up by seven and it would take a two-point conversion to beat them. I mean, I, I don't personally, I thought, oh, I mean, that seems like a move that you would make, especially at your record at one and four when what do you really have to lose at that point? Like, you've got to take some type of a risk. Khalif? I, I kind of agree with what Matt said. Um, you know, I mean, going up by nine, uh, time, as to your point, you know, time is, 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 is important at that point. Is this Romeo Cornell's decision yes. to go for the mm-hmm. two? Yeah, so, you know, obviously he's been in the league. He's a veteran coach. Uh, you know, risks, you know, high risk, you know, our reward. So I, I totally agree with what kind of what, what Matt said about that. So this is one of those situations to where you can really start to tell who knows what they're talking about on football broadcast and who don't. And there are two takes here that are okay. The first take is that yes, they should go for two and win the game there for all the reasons you guys have mentioned. Also, when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson who can throw on the run and is a threat to run, you're better at two-point conversions in general. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And the other is that it's a close decision. Kicking the extra point is also okay. And the reason is that if they go for two and make it, they win effectively 100% of the time. If they kick the extra point, they win 98% of the time. If they miss the two-point conversion, they win 96% of the time. There's almost no downside. So you can have Deshaun Watson in one play basically win the game for you with almost no downside at all. Well, the only downside I would say is if you know if there's a fumble that can be run back if you're if you're running the play, um, a fumble. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, on a two point, well, on a conversion, is that one point? It's two points. It's two points. It's two points. I'm yeah, sorry. Each, it's two points. Yeah, each team can always score as much as the other team can possibly score in any given play. So it's two. Yeah. It's uh, it's two points for for that. Which, yes, but at the same time. You shouldn't like you shouldn't be the quarterback shouldn't be taking a stack because the ball can get out quick. Plus it's Deshaun Watson. I don't think that's a but as much of a concern. Oh no, no, that's the X that's the X factor. I mean that you know, you you've you've got the personnel on the field that can that can do it. And to your great point is that there is three outcome scenarios and they're and they're all in the high nineties as parse percentile. So you know, you really couldn't exactly. Go so we spent some time on that game, but that was one of the more interesting games of the week. Oh, by the way, for the for the uh for the listeners, in case you don't know, the they missed the two-point conversion. The Titans got the ball, came down the field, scored a touchdown, kicked the extra point, win the coin toss in overtime, throw a 50-yard screen pass to Derrick Henry, and then he runs it in for a touchdown. The Titans win. It happens. Oh, <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. So that's how that game ended. Uh, the next game we have on the list here is the Ravens 30 at the Eagles 28. Uh, my only notes on this game on the quarterbacks, Lamar started running again. He goes for 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Carson Wentz, in a valiant effort, 21 of 40 for 213 yards and two touchdowns. Five carries, 49 yards and another touchdown. Yeah, I have to actually um, take back everything I kind of was beating the guy up about. 
he's literally playing with a, a skeleton squad. I mean, I think they're on their fourth guys, fourth depth chart guys for like their linemen. Like it's, it's, I mean, he's out there playing for his life. So I really take back the fact that, you know, the guy is trying to do his best to kind of win football games. So um, I'm going to give Carson a pass this week about the quarterback play. I mean, he did what he could. Matt, thoughts on Wentz? Um, no, I, I felt that that was the same way. I, I actually took that game more as a slight indictment on the Ravens than I did, you know, on, on the Eagles because the Ravens are a team this year that I think we expected them to look like they did last year. And their record is showing you that they're good. So I'm not saying that they're not, but they really haven't looked impressive, if you will, at least not in the way that I, I think of them as impressive. And, you know, this game, they, they let the Eagles come back into the game and it was just Wentz really carrying the team on his back and willing Pretty and, much, and yeah. willing them to to almost tying the game and I kind of wondered like I'm not really sure what the Ravens really want to be like obviously their defense for the most part is good and you know but we've seen them sort of flip-flop on what Lamar Jackson is going to be as far as quarterback and I don't know if you took that from this game Dave but I just am like I know the Ravens are good but I'm not I'm not entirely sure what they want to be or exactly how you know what their ceiling is this year compared to last year when it was very obvious so I think it's really interesting because two years ago, so the 2018 season, Mahomes is his crazy, you know, 5 million yards and 900 touchdowns MVP season. And then last year, the Chiefs offense was not as good as it was in 2018, but they were still a good team and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. And I think we might see the same similar thing with the Ravens here. So last year, uh, Lamar Jackson threw a touchdown on 9.5% of his pass attempts. For context, Russell Wilson over his career is at six and a half percent. So, like, that, wow. that's a number that could not be sustained over any. Like, you just would never, you would never expect that. It'd be like if Steph Curry came out and made sixty-five percent of his threes for a season. You'd be like, well, he's always going to yeah. do that again. And so, I think that the Ravens this year are actually a better reflection of the team than the Ravens last year. And I think they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm not too worried about them. Uh, yeah. This, oh, I just, no. yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you, Dave. I just think that, in, you know, to Matt's, um, to Matt's point, um, I think Lamar had more to prove last year to the pundits and all the talking heads about his deep ball, about his ability to win big games and that type of thing. So uh, to your point, Dave, is that you're now settling down into, who, you know, who they are and it's a better reflection of the team in uh, in the current, so I, I do agree with both your takes on that particular uh, team. And I right just want to clear up: I wasn't saying that the Ravens aren't one of the best teams in the league, right? Oh, like sure, sure. they 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 clearly are a good team. But I, I'm looking like in between the lines, so to speak, like not necessarily at what their record is. And I think we're all doing that, where we're trying to look at some of the nuances of what's going on to try to understand truly is a team elite or are they just good. And that's what I, I was trying to bring up that point with them. I just want to make it clear that I wasn't saying that they're not a good football team. Oh yeah, no, that was that was that came that came that came through loud and clear. I just think that the Ravens are still an elite football team. The one area where I think that they, that they struggle compared to last year is that running back because I think Mark Ingram, who got hurt in this game, I think he's he's not washed quite yet. Like he hasn't gone full Zach Ertz, but he's going to be there really soon. So then it's like, well, they got Dobbins and Gus Edwards in, but do they have anybody they can really lean on in the running game besides Lamar if Mark Ingram is, is you know, ends up being over the hill or out for a while? So I think that's their, that's their biggest question. Um, yeah. 
for the next game here, we had a really fun one, actually. The Atlanta Falcons without Dan Quinn, 40. The Minnesota Vikings, 53. I'll start with this one, if you don't mind. Um, so I have this, relatively speaking, as like a useless game for the most part. Two teams that are completely floundering, um, probably not going to be in the playoff picture, you know, barring some some miracle. However, I did wonder to myself... Was any of this kind of game a showcase for possible trade partners for, say, like a Matt Ryan or a Julio Jones? And I I don't necessarily think that they would do it, but obviously you saw much more of what they're capable of rather than what you had seen previous. And I wondered to myself, are there teams out there that are willing to at least pick up the phone and ask the Falcons if they're willing to part with some of these because we know they're going to be going through a total rebuild soon. So it's interesting you say that. Uh, Matt, is there one team in particular that you might root for that you think might want to trade for Julio Jones? I don't know about rooting for, but I mean, I think there's clearly a lot of teams. If you're talking about the Patriots, yeah. I, I'm not. Ne- <laughs> That's exactly what you're talking about. about. <laughs> but like, I, I honestly, like, I, I'm not saying that I, that they should trade for him. I mean, if they did, they'd probably get lucky and give like a seventh rounder or some shit like that, right? But, uh, but my, point, my, my larger point is, is there are a lot of teams that we've talked about last week and going to get into this week that could easily use one of those two guys, even though they're taking them on for you know a short period of time. And when I saw them yesterday, there was some plays and I'm like, they, they do still have some chemistry. They do still have some value to add for teams. And there has to be teams looking at them thinking, you know, man, we could we could probably really use somebody like that for this stretch run. You know, they're either on the fringe or, you know, uh, right there. Fire yeah, sale. kind of. I just Fire wonder, sale. like, are teams thinking about that stuff? Or are the Falcons thinking about it? My, yeah, my only take was that obviously Dan Quinn was um, a problem or part of the problem. And I think Dave might have mentioned this, if, if Dave, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, mentioned this a couple of shows ago that he had completely lost yeah. the locker room. Or So that shows you that whatever coach in the room, coach showed up, was it Raheem? Yes, Raheem um, Morris. Yes, right. Yeah. So they obviously uh, rallied and played like we've never seen. It wasn't like, I mean, they were they were rolling. 40-something points, 40-burger? Yeah. So I know Dan Quinn was home watching. Like they never did that for me, so, uh, you know. And and they and they sustained the lead. Yeah, well, that wasn't hard to do in this game because Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions in the first half. Yeah, and so that, um, what do you guys that really set at? the tone for the game? Now, I I think that the trading of Julio was actually a very interesting thought here because I don't think they have a game this good again. For one. The Vikings secondary is absolutely terrible, and I'm salivating at what uh, Kenny Galladay will do against them, which I'll get to later. Uh, Holding 137-2 in this game, I really think that value will never be higher than it is right now. Also, he's just going to keep getting more banged up as the season goes along. If I'm the Falcons, I actually do think if I can move him right now, I would very seriously consider it. I mean, it it makes business sense to do that. But uh, on Kirk Cousins, like the last, well, was it his first year, second year? He's pretty much had elite around him. He had Thielen, he had Diggs, he had Dalvin Cook, and they had enough weapons that they should have been better and they just never cashed in on it. And it's clear that he doesn't have elite anymore. Cook was out, you know, they don't have Diggs anymore. And it's like Kirk Cousins doesn't thrive under just having good or, you know, relatively uh, decent talent around him. Like I, 
I don't know. That's just the way I saw it. I mean, he can't stop throwing picks this year, and I don't see it getting any better. Dave, tell me, do your thing when you, like, if he was on this team, he would be better. Like, give me your Kirk Cousins dig right now. So I think Kirk Cousins is is okay. He's always been – so he went to Michigan State. So I've been – and now he plays for the Vikings. So I've been rooting against Kirk Cousins for a long time. Uh, And Mm -hmm. he's always been prone to turnovers. He is – because of his, like, calm nature and just being just the whitest guy on the planet, like, he working with Malcolm X. So – you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't have the reputation he could have where he is a gunslinger. Like he just chucks the ball as hard as he can into tight windows, which is why sometimes he throws 80 yard touchdowns in the last second to digs against the Saints in the playoffs, and sometimes he throws three interceptions in the first half against the Falcons. So Cousins is what Cousins is, and to Matt's point, the talent has taken a bit of a step back, but I really think Diggs is gone. I think they replaced Diggs just fine with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson in this game goes over 160 yards. He is now only the third rookie to go over 160 yards twice in the season. The other two are Marcus Colson and Randy Moss. So wow. I think Jefferson is fine. I think Thielen is taking a step back. You know, he's 31 now, I think. And he was never that athletic to begin with. So any sort of athletic step back for him is going to be really noticeable. And then, of course, they'll up for this game. Well, Madison's not that terrible. They just couldn't run the ball because they were down so much to start. So I think, yeah. I mean, again, if you put, if you put, okay, if you put Cousins with Andy Dalton right now, would the Cowboys take that? You know, <laughs> so, so yeah, so um, I mean, we're obviously yeah. going to get to the Cowboys, but like, I think, I think Cousins is fine. I think the Vikings are bad and their defense is terrible. And if Cousins, when he has his games, when he has two turnovers in the first half, they're go- the Vikings will get absolutely trucked 100% of the time. That's fair. Wow. Uh, the right. next thing we have here, we have Cleves Cleveland Browns 7 and the Steelers 38. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, I have to give you your props on this because you told me, I think Mike. Matt might have had a piece of this too. That we'll see when they get a real game, and they got a real game. Yeah, they sure did. And um, you know, Baker was clearly hurt in this game. He said after the game that he wasn't playing hurt or he didn't get hurt during the game. He wasn't right at all in this game. Period. I don't want to come down on him too mm-hmm. hard. This is a rough matchup, and I think he should deserve some credit for actually being a gamer and playing through. What was it? An injury? I mean, your ribs hurt. You're playing with the Steelers. I mean, it just sounds terrible. Uh, and the Browns, yeah. you know, they're a team. They want to run the ball a lot, have a lead. If they can't do that, they're going to get destroyed, just like with the Ravens. So I actually didn't see much in this game that tells me anything new or different. The only other note I have in this game is that Devin Bush uh, tore his ACL, the linebacker for the Steelers. And that is the single worst player for them to get hurt besides Ben Roethlisberger. So that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I um I took it what you guys said a couple weeks ago that you know they're gonna run into a real contender and we'll see what they're made of. And obviously, you know, Baker obviously played uh I mean ribs quarterback, can you imagine? I mean bad recipe. Um what I wanted to see from the Browns in this game, I, I wasn't somebody who thought they had to win in order to sort of prove that they were uh, ready for the big time because the Steelers are are an elite, I think, football team. I wanted to see them come out and kind of show me something. If you if you guys, I think you guys get what I'm talking about. Where 
You know, if they lose that yeah. game like 38 to 30, but you know, it's a good game. They're in it. Um, you know, I probably feel okay about them. And it's like, all right, they didn't beat them, but they, they showed up a little bit more. I, I, I know you said you didn't see a lot of the game, Dave. I caught it on, you know, Red Zone, so I caught enough. And it was like, Baker was not, not 100%. Obviously, wasn't playing well. But the team in general just looked like their body language was just not there. And it was like, it spoke to me that they're not really ready for those big moments. Like, they're going to show up against the teams, I think, that are not as good as them. And you're, like you said, if they're out to a lead and they can play their game, they're going to do just fine. But this was a game that they had to sort of you know get some moxie a little bit like what, what a lot of the great teams do and they and they didn't really show me that and i i was disappointed because i felt like they had turned a little bit of a corner um and, and that they would be you know at least show up a little bit more and they just did not do that. but no one gave me my props to saying that they were fool's goal i've been saying that for like the last couple of weeks and i also said that talk to me about them in week nine or week ten because we're going to see what I mean. I did really say that like. they were an, that they were the most eight and eight team that would be every team worse than them and lose to every team better than them, except except they'll switch it one one time each way. So like they're going to lose to the Jets, but then like beat the Ravens or something. But other than that, they're like right they're right they're right in the middle. They are just an average team, and when they can play yeah. how they want to play, they they know what they're doing. So uh yeah yeah cleve you're browns they're uh they're they're com- i mean they're coming out they're a lot they are better than you thought they were coming into the season though absolutely oh, yeah. okay so yeah. the next game here was a was a fun one we have the Bengals 27 the colts 31 the Bengals had a 21 to nothing lead yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, it, you know what it is, man? The other team gets paid to play football as well. That's all I got to so say. So the Bengals, I like my note I wrote down here is that the Bengals are not good. Um which isn't which isn't really saying much. We already knew that. But I they're, they're worse than their talent level should be. And I think that's, that's a little discouraging. Yeah. And the other thing I took away from this game, you know the Colts win the game, they can't compete with Tennessee in this division. Tennessee is going to run away with this division. No. No. You're absolutely correct on that. You're absolutely correct. And to you know, to your point earlier, they only had one practice, Tennessee did. And if they could muster that kind of, you know, effort, imagine having real right. preparation for that division. Yeah. I'm Dave, I, I'm totally with you. Um, you know, when they jumped out to the lead, I thought this is something that a young, you know, th- this team, which is relatively young, at least at quarterback and some other positions, had a chance to build on something go on the road against a team that is better than them. You know, they jump out to this huge lead and I, and I thought, okay, this, you know, this might be it. This is something that they can, you know, kind of plant their flag on. And they're just, they're just not playing up to what their talent level is. And they're, they're not good. Um, you know, Burrow's stats on paper look, you know, whatever, uh, 300 yards, but no, you know, no touchdowns, a pick only got sacked two more times. So uh, taking his uh, game average down, but um, Philip Rivers, I don't think threw a pick six. So I would love to. I would love to go back and look at the stats in his career about team record when he throws a pick six because I think you'd have a huge sample size there. Um, but both teams struggled to run the ball, and I, you're right. The Colts at four. Excuse me, at four and two. You know, they're that. That's a good record, but the Titans are far and away a better team. Far and away. Yeah, and and the Titans match up really well with the Colts. 100%. You know, that's that's where that. 
that's where that's going to be going to be a real issue for them. So yeah, I actually think the Colts I, they might win ten games this year and lose the first round of the playoffs by thirty five points. So and and probably because Philip <laughs> Rivers is actively adding to their deficit in that playoff. Game. Yeah, I cannot believe that they paid him twenty five million dollars. Although he did run for a touchdown this week. And so the, I saw this. I saw. I think it was on uh, Scott Van Pelt or something. But they put up a graphic of players who ran for touchdowns the last time Philip Rivers ran for a touchdown. Uh, so on there was Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Donovan McNabb. The law firm. Yeah, McNabb was on the list, and Frank Gore. Wow. <laughs> Nice. Wow. So yeah, so, so good, good for Rivers there. So yeah, like I said, I think the Colts are going to have a good pre or good regular season, but it's just they're the fool's gold cleave. They're the ones that are that are not shining, even though they they look it. Yeah, yeah. And Ty Hilton basically that. a complete non-factor um, for the team, and I, he's he's up there in age, mm-hmm. but it's just surprising to see one catch for eleven yards. Yeah, in a game that we're down twenty-one to wow. nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. Ty Hilton, I don't know if it's just the new quarterback or the system or whatever, but he's clearly just dusty as can be, and that's a player that might look to trade too. Actually, oh, they can't because they're good. Never mind, they would never trade him. Let's say the Patriots trade for Ty Hilton and Julio Jones, and see what they get. Uh, Okay, so for Mm -hmm. the next game, we have my Detroit Lions thirty-four at the tanking Jacksonville Jaguars sixteen. I don't know what's happening in Jacksonville, man. They 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 seem they, you know, we're looking good. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about? So Jacksonville was never that. They were never that great uh, to begin with. I mean, they were never as good as they looked. I am not surprised the Lions won this game. I expect the Lions to win this game, which I do not say. I do not say often. And. Jacksonville coming into the season was the team thought to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And they still need to be tanking for a quarterback because I don't think Gardner Minshew's a, a long-term answer. I think that he is actually the best backup quarterback in the league. And But the thing is, they're not going to get Trevor yeah. Lawrence because they're not going to get the number one overall pick. But So they just need to, like, you'll finish, like, that bottom three sort of thing. And I think they know that. I think that the ownership knows. I think the coach knows that he's fired. And it's just starting to sort of sink in like they're still trying we'll get some things that aren't trying coming up like they're still they're still trying to win games and they're still trying their best it's, it's just not good enough um in this game deandre swift who dropped the green when he touched down in week one for the line ran for 116 yards and two touchdowns so i can't wait to see more adrian peterson next week um, and then my note about the Lions in this game too, Stafford and Galladay, they might have a 500-yard passing, 200-yard receiving game against the Vikings. After what after what the mm-hmm. Falcons did, it's, it's Stafford. Stafford yeah. might literally might be looking for like I don't know what a single game passing record in the NFL is, but he might be looking for a 500-yarder against the Vikings. He could lose. The Lions could still lose that Damn. game, but he'll be looking for that. Oh. Uh, yeah, ball prediction. Yeah, and so I think that's what we're about. And yeah, and I have the note here: the Jags are terrible. They're going to get those top top five picks, depending on what like the New York Washington shakeout is right there. But yeah, not much to take away from this game, other than it actually went how I expected, and it was nice to expect the Lions win and to see the Lions win. Mm, nice. Yep. Any thoughts on that one, Matt? Good win. 
yeah, just that the Lions did exactly what you hoped they would do against a team like that. They showed up, they took care of business. It was, you know, never really in doubt for the most part. And that's what I would want to see if I'm, you know, a fan of the Lions trying to turn the corner. Uh, it's a team they should beat, and they beat them handily. And, you know, they took plain and simple. Yes, and now there's a downside to this. I have it on from a source that I, that I trust 100% that if the Lions had lost to Arizona – uh, Patricia and Quinn, the GM, were going to be fired. Of course, they beat Arizona. Same source says the same thing was true for this game against Jacksonville. So I'm glad to see the Lions winning. I think it might be long-term negative expected value to uh, keep winning these games. Because, man, Patricia's terrible. So yeah. like, I want I want I was... good games, but like, <laughs> they needed what the Falcons and the Texans did. Fire the coach and then turn around and start winning. Matt, Matt Patricia yeah, cracks right? me up because he has to lead the league in undeserved bravado and no results to back it up. Like, no results to back it up whatsoever. And then he comes out and says, like, well, we knew we had, you know, work to do when I took over the team. Dave, didn't he take over a team that had gone, like, 9-7 and seven or something? Yeah, like the team that? was 9-7 and seven in a playoff team when he – uh uh, came in, came in and took it over. He's not entirely wrong because there was a lot of window dressing on that team that 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 led to that. But they never should have tanked as bad as they did, and they still don't play as well as their talent level. So, like, I, if I'm the coach of the Bears and I'm looking at the Lions right now, I'm like, man, I wish I had that job. You know. Yeah. So, and speak, speaking of the Bears. The Bears twenty three at the Panthers sixteen. So Foles is not hurt yet. Hey Cleve, off the top like of your head, playing. the Bears have played six games so far. What is their record? Mm-hmm. What is their yeah, record? Surprising. Oh. I think so. It's going to surprise me. Your... Wow! Is it, it the over or the under? Is it? Is it? Is it four wins? Uh, two yeah, losses, five and or one. is it three and three? Yeah, five what is one. it? Five yeah, and one, are you kidding me? That's right. <laughs> now. Yeah, so I wow, think. Wow, yeah, I'm and, surprised. And, you know, when Matt Nagy got there two, uh, two years ago, the 2018 season, I think that was his first year there. Maybe it was his second. Either way, uh, the year when, like, the, the kicker kept missing all the kicks and they lost in the playoffs or whatever. And it, like, it looked like he could really come. Yeah. You know, he came from the Andy Reid Andy Reid tree, and then last year they were terrible, but like it's Trubisky, and then this year they're not they're 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 not that talented of a team, all you know all the way around. But they're five and one. I actually think the coach of the Bears. I thought he was good when they hired him. I thought he was good last year when they were losing, and I think this year it's finally starting to show that Matt Nagy is actually a really really good coach. Yeah, I mean, and their margin of victory has. I think the, this last week's victory was their largest margin of victory, seven yes. points. Looking at it, they, you know, they had the comeback win against the Lions in Week One. They barely beat the listless Giants. You know, they eked by the Falcons. Um, their only losses to the Colts. Oh well, then they had that weird. That, that was last week with you know, Brady with the fourth down thing. You know, and it's like a one point victory. Uh, um, but yeah, I think it is true. I mean, he is making the most with what he has, which. You know, I mean, it's the, the the talent on that team isn't necessarily blowing me away, and they've had a few losses. I mean, Tariq Cohen out for the year, I think. So, hey, they're five and one. You are you are what your record says you are. So, here we are. I cannot believe that. So man, I have another I have another uh, wow thing here that I don't think is that hot of a take, but I want to get it out there right now. 
the Bears will not make the playoffs. Yep, despite being despite wow, being five really? one and there being a seventh team, I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So, uh, but they could, you know, with a with like two years from now, with two good drafts and an actual quarterback, they could be fourteen and two. Like they're, they're so close. Yeah, and Dave, to your point, their next wow. games at Rams mm-hmm. versus the Saints at Titans, the Vikings, and then at the Packers. Right. Yeah, so, they'll be they'll be five and five. Six and four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have a uh, they have a tough they have a tough one uh, coming coming up there. So so yeah, of the Panthers, you know, first year rebuild, they didn't play very well. They actually play, they actually are a better team than they showed here. I think Matt Rule's a good coach as well, and if they have McCaffrey, they probably win this game. Um, so not too much there. The next game though. This was a very interesting game, and even though the teams are terrible, we had the Washington football team in 19 at the New York Giants 20. The Giants get a win, Khalif. Yeah, I saw that because Riverboat fucking Ron. Yeah, so so what do you think of that decision? I, I thought it was, I mean, we, we, you know, you and I talked about this offline a couple of times about the percentages of tying and all of that kind of crap. Um, I thought it was too much of a gamble given, you know, the personnel and your record and all that kind of stuff. So uh, he rolled the dice. I mean, <laughs> so at the end of the what game, what, what we're referencing here is that the, the Washington football team scored to make the score 20 to 19 with almost no time left on the clock, kick the extra point and go to overtime or go for two in the win. They chose to go for two in the win and they didn't make it. Matt, what did you think of that decision? I was happy because it meant that I didn't have to watch any more of that game than humanly possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's very fair. So, I have to disagree with you. This decision was 100% correct in this situation. Yeah. And I mentioned that whenever that game was in the Eagles and the Bengals tied, and it was just an affront to football, that losses, that ties are really, really <clears throat> bad for you if you're a bad player. Yeah, so because, that's what I was because watching is yeah. a bad team. Going for the win here is really good. Now, if they were, if this is like, um, say it was the Packers in that situation, then you kick and go to overtime because the tie for you was not as terrible. But in this case, I think Washington one hundred percent correct to go for the game. Yeah, I agree. If you guys, if one of you guys are in their computer, you can roll like roll that back from YouTube. He could call out it to the So that's actually that's actually an interesting froze. point. And it goes back to what we were talking about with Houston and their decision to go for two. When you athletic running yes. quarterbacks that are accurate on the run, your two-point conversion success rate is going to be way higher than other teams. And when you see this two-point conversion where Kyle Allen, his first read's not there, he gets flushed out of the pocket, and he's like He's so ungraceful out there running because he's Kyle Allen and he doesn't and like nobody's there and he gets hit, the ball flutters away or whatever. Just put Deshaun in that exact same situation. Yeah, he he had a beeline to the end zone. Like he he literally, if he'd have put the Jets on and and, and to your point, as a decent runner, he could have Yeah, absolutely. That and so that's why I think that when you have a, a player like Deshaun Watson. That's why you go for go for that two point conversion when you're uh, when you're Houston. It's also a reason to get a quarterback to move around and throw on the run. Yeah, in all in all seriousness, yeah. I you know I made a joke there, but I agree with uh, you, Dave, that 
especially at one and four. Like, uh, what? Why would what, I don't know? Playing for the tie at that point just doesn't really help you. Um, but I, I thought, you know what? It was one of those moves where they make it. Everybody's like, oh, what a great move. They don't make it. And, you know, just because they didn't make it doesn't make the decision a bad one. It just didn't work out, right? Like, the execution of it didn't work out or you chose a bad play or whatever. Um, but the only thing about this game that was interesting was there was 39 collective points between both teams. Kyle Allen threw the ball 42 times. Daniel Jones threw it 19 times. And it's like the Giants win by a point. Just terrible. Oh, just awful. Yeah, yeah, this, awful. yeah this game this game was yeah. not like the Falcons Vikings game was entertaining between two bad teams. This game was not that. However, the New York Giants are now one game out of first place in the division. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, so uh yeah, good for them. Uh sorry, Matt, you're up next here. We have the Broncos 18 at the Patriots 12. Go ahead. No, I mean, there was, I looked at that game and like on the surface level, it's disappointing. You think they laid an egg and it, and, and it wasn't good. Um, but I, I definitely looked at it and thought, okay, Cam's, you know, coming back. Who the hell knows if he's feeling anything from having COVID? I don't know what his situation is or and all that stuff. Um, the defense played really well for the most part. Um, you know, this is kind of another game where the offense didn't give them anything to work with. And their defense held them in the game for the for most of it. I mean, I'm thinking the Chiefs game too, where they I thought they were going to get blown out, and you know they were relatively in that game until the end. But I think what the story of the Pats this year is going to be that they're going to be hit or miss. When the offense is clicking, I think it's going to be it's going to be really good. Um, when when they're not, I think you're going to get this where the defense keeps them in the game, and the offense either do enough or has to do just enough to win. I don't see them as a contender. I see them as a team that could make the playoffs, but I just think they're they're going to be too up and down this year, you know, with some of their offensive weapons that they have to be on to really be on. Um, but they, you know, they're coached by Belichick. They should be a well-coached team. So, you know, we'll see going forward. It was disappointing, but at the same time, you know, like Cleve, you said, I think offline they had one, uh, one practice. Cam's coming off having, yeah. One practice, yeah, so. Cam, Cam was out. And for the first time in 10 years, or Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, the chance of Kraft getting a division yeah. title is in jeopardy because um, it is what it is. Like the, the Bills are running away with this division. With the Bills are, Bills are doing what they second. can to come back down there. So, yeah, but I agree. I think that, you know, the, the Pats are what they are. And, um, you know, I, we didn't know what to expect coming into the season. So we'll see what happens. Cam said not to push the panic button and. But but we we all three said uh, a show ago about the competitive disadvantage that happens. I mean, we saw the Titans with one practice do what they did, and then we see this team. But they're they're practice do what they did. So you know, the difference is that I think that the Titans top to bottom have more have more like individual talented players. Like I mean, the the Patriots don't have a Derrick Henry they can just turn and hand the ball to, and I think the Patriots are so like militarized and organized in everything that they do that for them having to break their routine for COVID is much more impactful than it would be for like say the Jets where nothing makes sense in the first place. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then the other the two other notes I have on this game. The first is that I think the Patriots' uh, skill position players are actually, like, as bad as the Eagles right now. Like, they're just not – like, until Harry, for some reason, mm. can't run. Julian Edelman is, like, 
T.Y. Hilton all of a sudden. He's old. But like not, He's old now. not the right way. Um, uh, James White is James White, but there's only so much you can do with that, right? Sony Michelle never broke out. Damon Harris never never broke out. I just I, I think that this team is going to have trouble because I don't think they should have weapons to compete to score points, which if they do make the playoffs, they're going to have to have that against these explosive teams in the in the AFC. Uh, the, last, the last point here is that yeah. the score was 18-3. to The Patriots scored a touchdown to make it 18-9 to and went for two uh, in the fourth quarter. So later in the game, this is 100% correct all the time without exception and Belichick's been doing it forever and teams and now other coaches starting to learn about this as well but you can still see some TV people arguing that they shouldn't do this you Al Michaels is trying to argue for this that you kick the extra point because then it's only down by eight and your team knows that you only need one more possession to try to get the game and it's all ridiculous it was 100% correct and Bill Belichick is a very good coach I loved the move I, I thought you're because my wife asked me, she's like, why are they going for two now? And I was like, trying to bring the game to seven points because touchdown and an extra point is easy. Well, you know, is relatively more likely to happen than a t- uh, touchdown and a two point conversion when you absolutely have to have it. Um, and even so, they had a chance to score a touchdown to win the game at the end. So yeah. not getting it, they were still in the game. I, I completely agree. I thought it's, a, it's, it's not aggressive. It's smart because, again, you're asking your offense to get two yards. You know, two yards for to bring it to a seven-point game. The the score is more on your side as the game is waning. So I, yeah. I was I was all in. Yeah, and the thing that that like the the TV people miss about this is that, and I said this before, that an eight-point deficit is not a one-point game. It's a or a one is not a one-possession game. It's a one-and-a-half possession game, and you don't know if it's one possessions or two possessions. Yeah. So by going for the two-point conversion earlier, yeah. you now know the answer. At that point, Belichick knows, okay, it's a two-possession game. I can use my timeouts accordingly. I can call plays accordingly. It's just, it's 100% correct all the time uh, with, without exception. I'm like, like the Texans going for two where there's no downside or whatever, and it doesn't really matter what they do, this one is correct. So I do want to get that out there. So that so that was Matt. All right, um, I already got to talk about my Lions and their victory. Now we get clean. We have the New York Jets zero, Jesus. the Dolphins twenty-four. Cleef. I would have honestly uh, fired Gase immediately after this game. Um, I think Dave and I were kind of chatting offline, and uh, you shot me a, a text that they gave up. I went back and watched whatever highlights I could and they, they literally gave up. Like they, they're playing for nothing. Um, the team should be blown up. I actually agreed with what Dave said in our in our preview show weeks ago, about seven, eight weeks ago now, that at this point, you know, seriously, if you're playing for nothing, then they should just eliminate you to say, hey, listen, you guys just pack it up, go home, and be done. It is atrocious football. It is something that, thank God, there's not fans in the seats to see this because I wouldn't pay a ticket to see that. It's insane to, to get out there and not even score three points, not even get a safety. <laughs> Unreal. I, I It's a sore spot for me to the point where it's laughable and it's just like, 
I, I, I put all my Jeff's gear in the trunk. So and you're I'm actually until next way done. Uh, more calm about this, probably because you you're just disconnected from the, this point uh, for this for this season than I am. And the reason is that uh, on DraftKings and Cash Games, the Dolphins' defense was very highly owned, and I did not have them. And in order to hit the cash line and double, basically to double my money, I get to score anything, literally any points, any points scored would have doubled my money. And I'm watching this game intensely because there's only two on at this time. And of course, I need this to happen. And I am actually so angry. I'm angry for Jets fans. I'm angry for non-Jets fans. I'm angry for the football universe in general. So first, Joe Flacco is in this game. I don't know what Joe Flacco is doing playing in the league. He's making $1.6 million this year. It's like 1% of his career earnings. Like, just go live on an island. What are you doing? So he takes a 15-yard intentional grounding penalty on a third and one that takes him back to a 55-yard field goal that they miss. Later in the game, it's third and short, and Flacco takes a 26-yard sack. How does he do that? Joe Flacco can't even run 26 yards anymore. How did he get 26 yards behind the line of scrimmage? I just... I am I'm just losing my mind watching this, and I cannot believe that. So last week, the defensive coordinator for the Jets, Greg Williams, goes like gets recorded or goes on tape calling out the Jets' offense, saying that they're terrible. So then they go out against the Dolphins. They don't score any points against the team that fired Matt Gase originally. Like, Matt Gates has no pride, no skill, no talent, no ability to coach. Not only should he be fired from this team, he should not be hired as an offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach or a water boy or anything. Not even the XFL should touch him. He should just be, he should be done. He should be done forever. It's actually insulting watching this team, and they don't deserve Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I, I actually, even that last part, spot on is that why should this team even be allowed to compete at this point it, it's it's really it's right really and a the thing is like it's really that, so we talk about the jaguars team. not being good but i mentioned like they're still trying they're just not that good and they're gonna lose a lot because they're just not that talented or whatever this jet team has completely quit and it's so hard to go 0 and 16 the lions are the only team that they've done it they did it in 2008 and this jets team will probably win a game because most teams win a game. But I watched every game of that Lions season. This Jets team is way worse, and they are deserving of going 0-16, even if they don't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. If it's, I may jump in for disaster. a few things. Um, but the Jets, so does Greg Williams really come with the talent and credentials to continue to get jobs and be just an overall nuisance? <laughs> Um, on, on the teams, right? Because didn't he pull this yeah. kind of crap when he was with the Browns and Hugh Jackson? Like, he almost led a coup to try and take over the team. And, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You can be frustrated with how the offense is performing and what that's doing to the defense. But keep that in the locker room. Like, throwing your team under the bus and essentially your coach, and it's like, why are we still employing this guy? I know Adam Gase needs to be out of the league because he's completely clueless. But, like, why is Greg Williams still in the league? Is he that good of a, of a coordinator? Does he come with that much? I don't know. I just don't get it. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. I was like, how, you know, I mean, the team is undisciplined. The defense is undisciplined. The, the amount of cheap shots against that ripping kid, it was like, all right. 
you know what the the Ripper kid is not more um John Elway out there he's you know he's he's a third string quarterback trying to get in the league and you guys are out there doing this bullshit so yeah I agree Matt it's just how does okay. and on the other still and on the other side um ridiculous I, I'm starting to really like Brian Flores a lot he's got that team playing so hard um and you know Fitzy is Fitzy he did what he did uh, but I think the story of this game at the end was that Tua came in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now going to be the starter going forward. Yes, he but is. I loved, I loved Fitzpatrick's uh, reaction. He was, he looked so supportive, and I'm like, this guy is so endearing at, at this point in his career because he knows his role, and he is just happy for this kid. And I wish, kind of like Alex Smith last week, I wish this was in front of a larger crowd because, you know, Tua. There were so many good vibes about Tua coming in, and whether he. You know, whether he pans out or not, I mean, it was a feel-good moment. And for for Fitzpatrick to be so uh, supportive of the kid, I I just loved it. It was something that really made me feel good in a game that I don't really have any emotional ties to. Yeah, I'm really excited that they announced Tua as the the starter. I was a little surprised because Fitz has been playing well and that I think that they are actually in competition in that division if the Bills continue their slide, which I don't think they will. We'll get to that. But I think that I actually agree with you on Flores because I think he's looking at it and he's going, okay, with Fitz, our ceiling's probably eight wins. But what if two was the truth? Can we get to 10? Can we get to 11? And so I think that because they're not, they're not tanking anymore. They don't have to. They get the Texans first round pick this year. So I think that going to two is actually a really good idea. They got their bye week this week. So he gets two weeks of of prep to get to get ready and Tua throws he throws a pretty football like we always talk about how Justin Herbert throws a good ball Tua throws a beautiful football yeah so our next game our Amazing. next game here we have the Green Bay Packers 10 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38 a couple notes a couple notes on this one is that the uh Packers offense was was terrible Rodgers threw a pick six Devontae Adams couldn't get open. It was just bad. It was just bad all the way around. And I think that there's a chance that Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers, is actually not that good because every time they get punched in the mouth or he faces adversity, they just do not have good um, good play calls or anything at all. Yeah. This game, this game reminded me last yeah. year. Of right. last year when the, the Packers looked like this against the Fours in the regular season and then, uh, you know, in the playoffs. And yep. it, it seems like, you know, these two teams could potentially meet again in the playoffs. And I don't think the result would be all that much different because the, the, the Buccaneers defensive line just really bullied the, the Packers offensive line for what I saw. Every time Rodgers seemed to be on the screen, he was running for his life and you know, it's it's difficult to ask a lot of. I know he's a guy who normally makes things happen in that way, but uh, they just got bullied. The whole team got bullied, and they were completely listless. They had no ability to come back from it to the point where they benched Rodgers. I mean, just because it was like we're not going to win this game, right? So it it very much uh, <clears throat> excuse me reminded me of the 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 Forty Niners game last year, which I think was on either Sunday night or Monday night, and it it was like this. It was a blowout. It wasn't even close. Yep, and then the only other interesting note from this game, I mean, we should mention the Buccaneers played well. They did what they're supposed to do. Uh, Brady didn't look that great, but he game-managed, they they won, is that uh, the announcer did not understand the touchdown celebration that Rodgers did. Oh, yeah. Did you guys get that right away? Yep, 100%. Okay, yeah, me too, and I was like... No, I didn't. So, Cleve, he did the Hingle McCringleberry from... Uh, Key and Peel. 
Yep. And, and like, it's hilarious because, <laughs> the, the, you know, Higo McCringleberry is, is swiped out when Aaron Rodgers is not. But Aaron Rodgers, of course, is in those Camp Hill, Camp Hill name yes. kits as A.A. Ron Rodgers. So, like, he's got a relationship yep. with them. And I thought it was amazing. I'm cracking up. Like, I think this is amazing. And I was like, well, I don't know about that. Why is he thrusting? It's like, God, Troy Aikman, come on. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two different guys. <laughs> Troy Aikman, in my opinion, doesn't really have much of a personality or sense of humor. I think Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of flack. Like, people think that he's kind of a, an asshole. But, you know, he seems to have a little bit more of a personality, I think, than, um, you know, a lot of quarterbacks do. And that was one of the, I, I loved it. I saw it and I was like, oh, that's terrific. Like, that's so great. Yeah, I was, I was, I was cracking up. Of course, then the touchdown got called back, but the dance will live forever. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so I mean that's that's really it on that game. Then we have the three primetime games here to wrap up. The first one, the Sunday night game, the Rams sixteen and the 49ers twenty four. And for this game, I noted as I was watching it that I think Kyle Shanahan, like I, I know he's a good coach. I know he's actually a really good coach. He might be like the best of the young coaches. The game plan for this game was perfect. They neutralized Aaron Donald. Uh, they protected Jimmy G and his sore ankle. You know, the 49ers had no business winning this game really as easily as they did. And I think I think Kyle Shanahan is wonderful. Uh, totally agree. The Rams are interesting. Like, nice. You know, they're, they're two losses. One's to the 49ers, which, you know, they probably shouldn't have lost this game. And then I think it was the Bills where they had that massive comeback and then, and then lost. But, you know, I, I think the Rams are good. They certainly seem to be better than last year where they were sort of like walking on eggshells. It was a really strange season last year for them. Uh, but I, I don't know what this says more about. Does this say more about the Rams or the 49ers? Now, the 49ers play the Patriots next week, so we might find out something about either of those teams. But I was just like... You know, are the Rams just going to be this team that, you know, they win 10 games, but are they really a serious contender? I, I just, you know, was one, like thinking, are they a Jekyll and Hyde team where some, you know, I don't know. So coming into the season, I thought the Rams were actually going to be the worst the worst team in the division, even though they might be like 79. And I think that they're not going to be the worst team in the division. The 49ers will be just because they're all beat up or whatever. But this performance for the 49ers is actually really encouraging. I think this says a lot more about the 49ers. And how even when things aren't good or going right, they're able to put things together and get a good win. I mean, Aaron Donald was a non-factor in this game. And, and because yeah, and, just unbelievable. And speaking of Aaron Donald, uh, Tua's first game is going to be with him on the other side of the ball. So I'm sure that'll be exciting for him. Well, yeah, that, that game's actually going to be really interesting because my note I have written down here for the Rams wow. is that the Rams are just the fancy version of the Dolphins. Um. That was presumably Fitzpatrick at quarterback, but like the quarterback's kind of average. Uh, they don't really have a running back to speak of. They lots of good wide receivers. The Rams, of course, have the defense though with Donald and Ramsey. But when Donald can't do anything, that's what we got. So um, that's what I think. I think the Rams and the Dolphins are actually very similar. The Rams are just a little bit better. All right. So I agree for our for our second to last game here. We have the Chiefs 26 at Buffalo 17 in a pouring down rainstorm. Yep. Uh, Chiefs did what they had to do to win. They ran the football like, you know, they ran the football like crazy. They adapted. Uh, Mahomes didn't have to do a whole hell of a lot. But I, looking at his stats, it's like 21 to 26. 
225 and two touchdowns. Yawn. Um, you know, but the Bills came in needing to, to, to play a little bit better. They, you know, they, the, the score I don't think indicated that the Chiefs seemed like they were more in control of this game than the score indicated. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the, I, I think the Bills are better than what they looked like the last two weeks. Uh, but I don't know if they're on par with a team like the Chiefs. What do you think, Dave? I think that the Bills are much better than they looked the last two weeks. And they've played two really good teams the last two weeks. And so they've really got to sort of measure themselves up and compare in those situations. But really, the Bills are as good as Josh Allen is. And Josh Allen is still capable of playing uh, uh, A-plus game or a D-plus game. And last night was a C-minus game for Josh Allen. He missed a lot of open receivers early that could have extended drives made some bad decisions with, with running the football. You know, he just didn't play really well. And against the Chiefs, you know, you cannot play poorly against the Chiefs. You will lose the game. And I thought it was really interesting. The Chiefs came out and showed that yeah. they could play like a slow pace, run the ball, bad weather, cold, win sort of sort of game as well. They don't need to be playing these high-flying Chuck to Tyreek sort of games. I mean, uh, Edward Saleh ran for 161, probably because he knows Le'Veon Bell's coming, but he went up for 161 in this game, and that's how they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question for this game, though, and uh, Cleve, this is a question for you, because Le'Veon Bell's coming over from the Jets. Is Le'Veon Bell washed like T.Y. Hilton and Zach Ertz, or was he just stuck with Adam Gase? I think so. I think so. It, 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 it's a lot to be said when the whole Pittsburgh thing had happened and how, you know, how, you know, things ended there. Um, I don't think the Jets used him to his potential. I mean, I don't think we used him at all. Uh, I think you pointed out to me on several occasions that he hasn't rushed for 100 yards since he's been in the Jet uniform, I don't think. Um, not even catching the ball for 100 yards. So I think, um, you know, I hate to put the tread on the running back, but I think he's he's serviceable because if he goes to the Chiefs, if that happens or if it happens, uh, he'll get some touches, but the Le'Veon that we're used to, it's we've seen it in Pittsburgh. I think those days are behind him now. Um, you know, And he might be rested now. He might be totally rested that we didn't use him. But I don't think that he, you know he's going to get that treatment again. Like he's Matt, what do you that, think? That premier back. Well, I, first, I don't think the Chiefs need him to be that. Um, he's coming into a good situation for him where they have a lot of weapons, so he really only needs to do what they ask him to do. Um, but I, I, I do wonder if perhaps he reached that running back ceiling. What is it, like an average of three, four seasons or something like that uh, across the board? It's a, Yeah, it's something like that. So, uh, but it's hard to tell. It's it, a little bit because... You know, he played for the Jets, so how much of that is the Jets not really knowing what they're doing, as opposed to him lo- losing a step? I think what we'll find out, what we'll find out is that Andy Reid is going to use him the way he best sees fit. Uh, I think we all have trust in that, and he'll either perform or he won't. I don't know if he's washed yet because I really haven't seen at least enough of him on the field, despite him making 20, 25 million for eighteen yeah. show ups for the the, the the Jets or something like that. I just don't know enough, and I I, I think. I think he'll benefit from the fact that the Chiefs don't need him to be what he was in Pittsburgh. I think he'll fall in line to, to win a ring. If it's, if there's a possibility of ring, winning yeah. a ring, who wouldn't? So you know what? You need me to just get, what, eight touches a game? Yeah, that's what I mean. I, got that's what I, mean. I can do that. 
you know and you know i think i mean i think that's fair to 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 say about him without necessarily saying he's totally done yeah he's a premier back probably not but is he washed who knows there was i had a a buddy i went to high school with that um the year that that Le'Veon came to the to the jets um he sent me and i might have showed it to dave in the gym he sent me pictures of, of Le'Veon at a fucking pickup game, pickup basketball game, when he just got to the Jets. I mean, he's playing pickup basketball in the rec center with just anybody. And I, I thought that was an uncharacteristically like bad thing to be doing, um, you know, risking all of that after going through the, 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 the uh, holdout and all that kind of crap. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's gonna have to just step in line now. And and I actually think told. that that it's it. um gonna be really interesting how they how they use him because we forget because it, the Jets and he was out for a year or whatever. He was an amazing receiver, and I and I think that yeah, in the, in, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, in the in the red hit, zone especially where you have Kelsey and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, and the speed of Tyreek to like sp- side yeah. to side, yeah. yeah, I think that he might touch the ball. He might not touch the ball more than twelve times a game, but he might score a touchdown in every game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he, minimal touches uh, to Matt's point, um, and to your point, and I said that earlier, he's a great receiver. Like we don't, we didn't use him in any schemes. Any any packages wasn't created for the guy, and I don't know if that was more Gase. Or if if Le'Veon said, "Listen, if you guys are not going to try to win, I'm not going to, you know, do my Barry Sanders out here and, and, and be the hardest guy out here working when nobody else is." Yeah, so, it's kind of like you know, it's what it is, man. It's kind of like the Browns Good luck to the guy. I mean, Kareem Hunt. They you know they both present different uh, you know dif- different uh, strengths for for the team. So I think the Chiefs kind of have that here, and Andy Reid will do what he has to with them. We'll see what happens. Okay, the last game here, we have the Arizona Cardinals 38 at the Fighting Andy Dalton Cowboys 10. Um, This game, so first thing I want to say is I don't think this game is actually that, we don't learn that much from this game about the Cowboys at least, because Zeke fumbled twice in the first quarter, both led directly to uh, Arizona touchdowns. So he just went full Kirk Cousins and just blew the game completely out of the water. (laughs) <laughs> so I think we learned about Arizona that they can like take advantage of these situations. Yeah, I read- and we learned that Andy Dalton can't overcome a yeah. forty-one point deficit that Ezekiel Elliott puts him in. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we you know we we all know um, in football that you know you got to secure the football, um, and especially if it leads to points, it leads to points. So I mean, I, I read somewhere today that. He stood up and, and and apologized to the team that their loss was on him because, you know, he unfairly put them in a situation. Now, obviously, football is a team sport, but two crucial um, things like that for the money you're getting paid, it happens. It's You know, the other team gets to, gets paid to play football as well. So to get a strip, to get a hit, or whatever they got to do to make it happen, it is what it is, you know? Um, but, yeah, to all the people listening who thought, that when Dak went down and Andy Dalton was just going to step in and, and not be a beast. Yeah, one, one more reality. game like this and Dak Prescott's going to make $50 million a year. Um. <laughs> you you did say that. You you did say that this this is this is not, you know, not the long-term answer, obviously. And, you know, it's going to be serviceable at best. But 
we just saw, I mean, for a guy that's been in the league that long, meaning Andy Dalton, um, a 21-point deficit is not a nail in the coffin, but, you know, for your running back to put you in that hole early. It, it is often, a nail in the coffin in this yeah, game in particular because you know that their game plan called to be a bit run heavier. So the game plan's out the window at that point. And the Cowboys' higher offensive yeah. line uh, with Zach Martin getting hurt in this game yeah. was hurt. Like, we talk about the Eagles. The Cowboys are in a very similar position to where they had the entire backup offensive line in in a game where they're down by 21 points. Like, they never had a chance. Matt, what did you think of this game? Um, I, I agree with a lot of the points you two have made. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys in general can't afford to give their defense a short field as many times as they did last night. Now, one of the... One of the touchdowns directly off of a uh, turnover, I think, was like an 80-yard pass. So I, I don't think that was necessarily, you know, like that short field or whatever. But I think two of them were. I think it was like, you know, when when your opponent is starting on the, your side of the of the field, your defense is already at a significant disadvantage, and the Cowboys' defense is not the your the Cowboys' yeah, defense is not walk. the you know bend don't break kind of defense. I mean, their their defense is, has been subpar this year, I, and I think that's fair criticism. Uh, and turning the ball over. I know that it happens, but they're a team that just cannot afford to turn the ball over the way that they turned it over last night. They just can't because what that does is make Andy, I mean, uh, Andy Dalton need to throw 54 times. Right. That's never going to, that is never going to be a formula for success for that team. But what really stands out to me about the Cowboys is just, they just, I mean, I know that they've had injuries, but they don't look, they just look listless. They look lifeless. They, I don't know what it is. And it's like, and now you see a lot of drama, players saying the coaches are completely unprepared. And then, but that, that leads me to ask, like, right. And that leads me to ask, ask though, like, what was the excuse last year? Right. Like we, we put all of that on the coach. And I think it was fair criticism for a guy who'd been there that long anyway, to not have any, excuse me, results, but they look totally just I don't know they, they they just look like they're out there like they don't want to be there to be perfectly honest they look like they don't want to be there it's McCarthy it's McCarthy guys it's McCarthy like, let's let's address the elephant in the room that that uh that coaching um it's like I said I think I said to Dave a couple of shows ago you know for a guy who spent a fucking year in isolation supposedly you know relearning some stuff and I guess it, he got in his feelings about how his offense is archaic. Um, you came to a team that had some talent on it, albeit the injuries. And, you know, this is year one and there's all, there's always a mutiny. There's like, all oh, these guys don't know what they're doing and all this other crap going on. So, yeah, they just look, I agree to Matt's point, they, they don't look like the Cowboys. They don't look like, oh, this, you know, it, yeah, I'm, they were they more don't... hype than anything coming in. Yeah, they replaced and then, Jason Garrett down? with older Jason Garrett. So I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not shocked cuz I mean it's not like Jason Garrett is a yes. terrible yes. football coach. It's just he's not great and the team had really elite talent. Well, the same thing's true for Mike McCarthy. It's not that he's a terrible football coach, but he's not great and the team has elite talent or at least did before before injuries here and it's not working out. Um I still think this team's going to win this division. And I think there's a chance, you know, last week I said it, it, this probably couldn't happen because Washington and New York were so bad, but I think a 6-10 division champ could happen. 
Yeah, you did say that. I am, I am, I am the, uh, firmly rooting for a six and ten division champion in the NFL. To get a to get a home playoff game too. Yeah, to just get. Wow. Yeah, that is congratulations. You went six and ten. Here's here's uh, Russ Wilson. Here's Tom Brady. Here's Nick Foles yeah. and the twelve and four Bears. That's amazing. That's amazing. But. I- but I, th- I think we need to give the Cardinals credit <laughs> That's for taking advantage of what they had. And because, you know, M- Kyler Murray was only 9 of 24. So it wasn't as if he was all over the place. He's very inaccurate. I think he started 3 of 12. Uh, and some of those were deep passes that were, were off target. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he makes his money with his legs and being elusive. And, and, you know, when they're on, they're very fun to watch. Yeah. I just think he does. I think he does more than he needs to. I think Dave and I were trying to dissect this a few weeks ago about how what's what's wrong in Arizona. I think uh, Matt just said like he's running. Like sometimes he takes off. Is he going through all of his reads? Is he is he trusting the guys are going to be on the route? It's something. It's something finite to his like. You don't have to run every play, bro. Like I don't. I don't understand that. I don't understand why. You know, he feels that he has to take off. And, you know, thank God he doesn't take hits. Thank God. Yeah, so I think that... Uh, he's a small target. Kyler Murray, I don't think there's actually that wrong in Arizona. You know, I think they're just a 10-6 and 6 team on their way to being 10-6. and 6. The, uh, the thing with Kyler Murray is that, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I hate to diagnose anybody from the couch besides the president, but I get the feeling from like interviews with him and people talking about him and what teammates say about him. I think he's a perfectionist. And so when a play is developing, if it doesn't go perfectly, he's like, okay, that's a fail. Thankfully I got these perfect legs and here we go. And I think that's what's leading to a lot of him just tucking the ball and running a lot rather than like, chucking it up to DeAndre Hopkins and hoping like uh Deshaun Watson used to. I mean this game was 31 to 3 and Hopkins had one catch for three yards. Yeah. So I th- um, I think that he just needs to like let yeah. go a little bit, especially now that he's got nuke. And he's not learning if it's Gerald. Like sometimes just throw it at them. It's human. <laughs> yeah. But yeah every time I watch the Cardinals I still think yeah. to myself Cliff Kingsbury yeah. backed into an NFL coaching job. Like it's just <laughs> It's just incredible. It's it's incredible to me that he's able to do that. I'm like, <laughs> I, why can't that happen to me? Why can't I back into something that is that awesome and that coveted? Listen, you just need to recruit Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes to play for you in college at the same time, and then have Mahomes blow up in the NFL MVP, and then get fired from your college job and get hired <laughs> by the Cardinals. It's not that hard. The one bet, the one, the one great thing about him was when he copped to the fact that he absolutely yeah. used his looks if he went into a house with a like single mom that he was trying to recruit. I was like, you know what, man, good on you because you've got like perfect hair, uh, and you know you're just that. I was like, you know what, good for you. If that's how you get him, that's how you get him. So, so it's funny you say that. Uh, Pete Carroll also used to do that at USC, and it's funny because I never really, I never really saw it. You know, 20 years ago or whatever, when he's at when he's at USC, he was in his early 50s or whatnot. And when I was that age, you know, 20 years ago, I'm a teenager. I'm like, yeah, 50. This guy's ancient. 
But now, like, you look at Pete Carroll when he was younger, you're like, oh, yeah, I could see, I could see, like, like, moms dug this sort of thing, especially with the way that he acts or whatever. I think that's actually very common for a lot of these, uh, for these younger, uh, younger college coaches. Yeah, I think even, like, Lebitard Show did, like, the looks like on Pete Carroll, and it was like, he was <laughs> your wife's old college professor, and when you ask about a relationship, she says, oh, nothing, that was a billion years ago. <laughs> Yes, no, that's that's exactly that's exactly right on uh on on Pete Carroll. So that wraps up all the games. Now looking forward to next week. I took a quick glance through. First thing, uh Cleve, do you know what the Thursday night game is? Giants at Eagles. No, please don't say it's the Jets. Yeah, so here's the thing. It's either that or watching the presidential debate. So uh go Eagles. Um, you know, you know that's if I'm going to watch a disaster, I'm going to make it football. So as I scroll through the schedule here, oh, Cleve, the Jets host Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I, I spoke to Matt offline, and it's such a sore spot for me. Like I don't want to see nothing Jets this the rest of this year. I really until unless one of you guys. Text me two in the morning. Hey, Gase just got walked out to a firing squad. <laughs> just kidding, guys. But so the got Jets, walked out. The Jets. Um, I yeah. just pulled this off just out of curiosity. I don't, I don't know. The Jets' next four games are against Buffalo, Kansas City, New England, and the Chargers. Yeah. Oh then you get the Dolphins. <laughs> then you get, get the, the Dolphins again, who just shut you out. You know. Let's see. Oh, here. And nine. You host the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, then you're Seattle Rams, Browns, Patriots. You have this could happen. It's got to be the Dolphins or the Raiders, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah, may as yeah, well. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is torn firmly up the on the table. Right Good. I'm sick of the Lions being the only ones. Uh, also, that that. that, that yeah. Yeah, that Owen Team Lions team. Is that yes. is, is that the Hall the, of Fame? The Owen Team Lions team is that destroys all the fame? this Jets team, by the way. Just saying. It is, okay. Yeah, we have Calvin. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Go I, ahead. Would, I would have to affirm I, say, that. I would the have Cleveland to affirm Browns went Owen sixteen was it twenty seventeen, the year before they drafted Baker? Did they not? I don't think I don't think they did. I'm pretty sure that they did. I think there's two because if I remember correctly, they were 0 15 playing the Steelers. They had the ability, they were up, and the Browns uh, defender missed the interception or dropped the pass, and they ended up losing because of it. It was like the most Browns way to finish 0 15. Right. They did. They did. They did run the table in reverse. I had that completely familiar. forgotten that about familiar. that. Yeah, all right. Well, good. Good. Clean scene. You can be in company with the Detroit Lions and the Jeez. Cleveland Browns, where you always wanted to be. Oh, uh, that's here. So as I'm scrolling through the schedule Fucking here, uh, the Browns get Fucking the Bengals, yay. so they'll probably get back on track. The Cowboys play the Washington football team, so no excuses there. Like they have to, they they need to win that game at 21 points. Oh, here we go. Yeah, uh, the Steelers at yep. the Titans, unbeaten's. Yeah, yeah, that'll that's... be that, that's gonna be a good one. Nice. It's going to be a lot of fun Premier. because you got both coaches who, I mean, Tomlin's been there a long time. You know, Vrabel's obviously established himself as one of the best, but uh, it is going to be really good because both teams have strengths and they play to them, or at least they have till this point. So that that'll that'll be a tune-in game for sure. Yes, that'll be that'll be really good. 
Uh, as far as like watchability goes, this game's going to be a ton of fun. We got the Lions and the Falcons. Oh yeah. That I mean, Julio versus Galladay with no secondaries. Oh um, wow. Yeah, that game. I'll take the over. <laughs> that that should be that wow. that going to be popping up on red zone all over all over the place. Uh, Seahawks versus Arizona out west. Uh, let's see here. The aforementioned 49ers Patriots, okay. where okay. we'll get to see just how good of a coach uh, Shanahan is, because I think the Patriots should handle that game pretty easily. Hopefully. Uh, oh, uh, we got the Gruden Bowl uh, the, for the night game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We've got the Raiders hosting the Bucks. Ooh. Yep. And then the Monday night game. Oh, my goodness. It's the Rams hosting the Bears. Why are the Bears always in primetime? Probably because they are. Uh, I mean, uh, Bears Packers is the uh, oldest rivalry in the NFL, is it not, um, or something like that? And the Bears seem to band like it's like the NFL sees them as almost like a symbol of the NFL in a way because they've been around for so long. But I agree with you. Like at prime time, whenever I, I actually really appreciate when the NFL puts games like that on prime time because it allows me to easily uh, decide. Been my evening. Like Thursday night football, I at least know what the hell I'm doing on Thursday, and it's probably not going to be watching it. Yeah, so. Oh boy. I, I think, I, I think the NFL run, should have a rule. We're going into the week. <laughs> the Monday night game better. is either the game between the teams with the two best records or the team with the highest uh, over under on the week. Like, Monday night should either be Steelers, Titans, or Lions, Falcons. So those are the two most amazing games on the schedule yeah. for completely different reasons. I mean, these schedules are probably no done like two years in advance. Yeah, there's no something crowd. like that. Uh, it might even be more, and that's and that's given and that's given that we don't know what draft picks are going to wear. So obviously, um, yes, was it last year that the Browns had like fucking like eight primetime games? Remember that shit? Was it last year? Yeah. So you know, because Baker and and Odell and all these guys. But no one knew that that was going to be like the but, setup. But Dave, so, to, to your, I don't know why they got Dave, all the time point, though, Like the no crowds, right? This year, at least for the NFL, is purely about ratings, right? Because they mm-hmm. don't have crowds coming in. There's no kind of like boxing cleat. There's no gate, so they're losing out on a lot of that. And what they want is for people to tune in their product. So this would be the year to yeah. use the flex rule and be able to flex. All the kind of game, all kind of games, to get that marketability, to get that viewership. Because I agree with you, I would be much fine to watch Thursday night football, Sunday night football, or Monday night football if they were flexing the matchups to make them the most marketability. And on top of that, they, you know, red zone still exists, so you don't have to be crappy game on Sundays anymore. So you right. kind of win as you win as a fan overall because the NFL is making it viable for you to want to tune in every single time they're on the television. And I know that that is tough with network deals and all that kind of stuff, but to to your point, that would be the way to go because it would be a hell of a lot more fun each week. Yeah, there's no reason that the that the Bears Rams is on Monday night and then Steelers Titans is on Sunday at one o'clock. Exactly. It, 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 it just it just it, it doesn't make any sense. So they could they could easily change that. But that's uh that's the week coming up. So there should be some good games and some really good games to talk about next week, and we should learn quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, we are two weeks. Today is great. two weeks from. Are you closing remarks, Dave? 
and I am a nervous wreck. Uh, you know, as a fan of the Lions, I know about blowing leads in the fourth quarter, and I'm just hoping that uh, the Biden campaign is not the Falcons, they're not the Lions, they're, you know, they're the Chiefs. They just boa constricted the Steelers. They just boa constrict their overmatch opponents and uh, uh, bring 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 this thing home. But I am. Like literally, anytime my my mind stops thinking about something, I just get this overwhelming panic uh, about what's going to happen in two weeks. Yeah, I um, I for one don't think that. Um, unfortunately, we're going to have a president um, named at least um, in principle uh, on election day. It may very well go into. Um, Thanksgiving or a little after Thanksgiving before we know what's going on. Um, I can guarantee almost smell a lawsuit by either party that they felt like this whole voting thing, voting um, fraud thing with through the mail and all this bullshit went down. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, um, I'm, I'm not nervous. I'm not excited. I'm just numb because I'm ready to, uh, I, I don't know if this is the answer, but I've seen, I've already seen the other show. So, um, Personally, I can't do it. I can't do another four years of it. So I'm yeah, so really I actually don't think that, it'll take to Thanksgiving or anything uh, like you know, that. I think a, that by the end of the we'll have it you know? pretty much wrapped up. And I think that we'll know by midday Wednesday that Biden's going to eventually be the winner. They just won't be able to call it quite yet. But we'll have like Steve Kornacki going county by county, being like Trump needs ninety-seven percent out of this county, and it's never going to happen. Like, like we'll know. They just won't be able, like, because the count's going to take a little bit longer. But I think, like, we'll know <laughs> that Biden won by Wednesday or Thursday. And there is a, there is there is actually an outside chance that he just binks Texas and it's over on Tuesday night. Uh, a few. Um, yeah. I am in yeah. agreement. Matt, with any closing, any closing thoughts? Ways wet. Um, I have reached the point that Cleve, you probably feel this way right now about the Jets, and that's not a that's not a bashing of the Jets, but I'm trying to compare like emotions to where right now my cynicism. I don't have faith <clears throat> in the American voters right now to do the right thing, um, and, and the system to to do the right thing for us because I know what the right thing is, and it's not what we've had for the last four years. I just get worried about you know the the ability of it to actually happen. And, you know, we've seen that in four years ago, we were sure of what was going to happen and it didn't happen. And here we are four years later. And I feel that foreboding sense in a way, because I'm ready for a change. I know that it feels in some ways for me, like I'm picking Trubisky or Nick Foles to bring it back to football, but I think a change is needed and it's not necessarily the long-term answer, but it's something that is is needed for this country at the moment as a you know, sort of a course correction. Um, but, and it also relates to my place of employment where there are, um, you know, not, not policies, but there are intentions by the current administration to doctor certain, uh, you know, I'll use the word counts that are going on and how those affect things like apportionment. And I'm, you know, nervous from that perspective because it's directly fect- affecting me. So I'm, I'm nervous in a whole way, and I will feel much better in general, uh, even though Biden is not necessarily, quote unquote, my guy. He is uh, what we need right now to sort of course correct. I just hope that the American voters do that, do the right thing, and they do it in droves, and they make it something that Trump really can't contest. 
and just make it a landslide. And that's just what I'm hoping for. Uh, but uh, I have to say, too, I, I really appreciate yeah. you guys letting me in on this fun. Um, you know, it was unexpected. I, I felt like I was crashing a, an already great thing. Uh, I hope I've added value, but it has really helped me, uh, you know, sort of keep out of that constant mindset of being worried about what's going on in this country. So I, I really appreciate that and real talk. Thank you, sirs. Thank you, sirs. All right. Dude. Great show. Um, it'll be up in another few hours or so. All right. Y'all have a good one. We'll be talking football again. Thank you. Same time, same bat channel next week.